0: I kind of failed to keep up with this. A lot of things were kind of going on uh, simultaneously. We were traveling a decent amount uh, to see family, and also I had to take um, my fundamentals of engineering exam earlier this month. Um, for anyone that cares, I passed that shit. We're moving on. Um, that was about four years overdue for taking. Um, so we've we've missed a lot, and yet we haven't right so uh if we start with just um the um actual bracket right starting at quarterfinals so play ins kind of went basically chalk right i i don't think that anybody was particularly surprised to see top esports damwon g2 fnatic uh gen.g jdg and sooning in uh, the quarterfinals, right? I, I think that largely that was pretty chalk. Um, I guess if we really will, like, we don't, I don't think we have to discuss much about play ins other than perhaps the fact that uh, TSM just completely th- fucking blew it. Um, right. I, I mean, just uh, shows up and goes 06. I mean, it's just kind of embarrassing. Uh, Team Liquid has a fairly respectable. Uh, performance and uh Fly Quest, I mean, still was better than TSM. So um and, and actually uh Duinby, who's the mid laner for FPX who uh did not make it this year, but obviously they uh for those of you who do know, uh they won Worlds last year. Um and uh Duinby made a, a very good point recently about the problem with Uh, the LCS, in which I I very much agree with, is that the LCS basically never actually introduces rookies. Um, The LCS, if you actually look at it, and this was a very surprising thing to me when I first started getting back into the professional league scene and kind of watching uh, the LCS, is that there was literally names on rosters that I recall on rosters back when I was playing league like in high school. Um, And so that was very surprising. I mean, you you know, we're literally talking about players that I watched playing professional league like, you know, seven years ago, (laughs) like eight, you know, something like that. And so um, I I think to see that kind of says a lot about like what's kind of going on with recycling players and not really um, getting rookies in there. And maybe perhaps it's because we don't have enough rookies, but That also speaks to just the way that the farm system works. The academy system is clearly not really catching in the same way that, say, um, Challenger Series in Korea is taken very seriously, uh, which is where Damwon Gaming came from last year. Uh, Well, I guess they were in Challenger Series two years ago, so last year was their first year in uh, the LCK. And obviously, they burst onto the scene coming out of Challenger series and have a pretty good overall performance in the LCK, and then go to make quarterfinals in Worlds last year as a as basically an entirely a, a, an entire rookie roster, five rookies, um, and and then in Europe, the Masters circuit. Um, is, you know, highly competitive, and a lot of teams are coming out of, like, national, you know, in Europe there's a lot of national leagues, of professional League of Legends, I mean, so the main thing is that when you talk about, like, solo queue League of Legends um, in Europe, the majority of the people who are playing you know, at the level of Grandmaster, Challenger, and maybe even some master players um, are professional players, like, they're basically playing League for a living. And in uh, the United States, in North America, that's just simply not really the case. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people—there's a decent amount of people, right, who are challenger players who are streamers um, or one-tricks, but there's not a lot of players in that bracket that are actually, like, professional, playing professionally, playing for a living, or just, like, playing at, like, a really competitive and even, like, team level, Um And that's why a lot of streamers and professional players lament about NA solo queue, because it's so high variance, because it's largely um, not professional players. Um, And so similarly, like, uh, and then again, looking at another region, right, China in the L for the LPL, uh, they have the super server because they have a bunch of different servers across the country. And then that you can consolidate once you reach Challenger into the super server. So the super server is like highly, highly competitive. Um, and that's what, uh, in part, what breeds a lot of these good players. And, and I think to a certain degree, um, what Doynbee was talking about also with the fact that these young players, these teenage players who are just really fucking good are really mechanically good. And so they're out there just trying to make mechanical outplays all the time. Like, it is very simple. I see you, I try to kill you. And one of us is walking away alive. Um, And I think that mechanics check, while uh, dangerous and pro play and, and largely tends to not be the right thing to do, it's important that you're capable of it. Right, because otherwise, that's how you just get bullied. Like you know, when a player is just simply better than you, like they can show up, make plays that are dumb, but win because they're just mechanically better than you at the game. Um, And so that that's what you kind of get within those regions is you're kind of constantly getting that mechanics check of like playing people who are like really, really good mechanically. but then you also pair it with that there's at least a large enough amount of players who are playing the game uh, at the macro level the right way, like in the Korean solo queue um, and uh, in, your, in EU West solo queue. So I think those are really important things. I, I do think, and I maybe this is because I'm 28, I, I do think that... Um, it's entirely overblown when players basically say like, you know, you can't play professional league of legends after say like 25 years old or something like that. Like, Oh, your hands get too slow or your mechanics aren't good. I I would contest that. I I think that that's bullshit. I, I think if, if your mechanics are getting too slow at the age of 25, I think that's just a factor of you not actually exercising or basically working out like outside of the game, right? Like there's a certain degree of you're getting that, muscle memory and whatnot in the game um but if like all you do after you play league of legends is just sit around have a bad diet don't exercise like of course your body's gonna deteriorate um in those ways but i i simply refuse to believe that somehow your mechanics get so bad you couldn't actually keep playing while in other sports say like professional tennis where or hockey where uh or baseball right where like your reaction time and hand speed has to be so high that like you're telling me that like what? I mean how how are all those players who are still so you know within those those sports mechanically gifted capable of going on into their 30s playing at a high level um or or even football for that matter or soccer. I mean obviously there's not so much of the hands but the foot like the hand like the eye foot type of coordination and speed um so i i think that that's a lot of bullshit i think that's just a factor of like the lifestyle of the players um and i think it's a life and i i think it's a wear and tear thing uh mentally i i think it becomes very difficult to stay that mentally engaged um in a way that allows you to remain mechanically uh strong so anyways that's just like a, a little bit of kind of addressing the the north america thing um and, but I, I largely do agree with the point that you need to get some young rookies in there. I mean, why is it that these players um, who can't win in Worlds, like, and then somehow it is like you just rearrange the team that they're on, you know, a 100 times over over the course of like eight years, and suddenly you think like you're going to get a different result. Uh, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't understand um, the sort of thought process behind that. Um So, okay. so now we can, I think, move on into uh, quarterfinals, right, with the real the main event, you know, actually getting into, um, I think, where things get a little bit more interesting. Uh, I think the the seating as such was kind of lame um, just because you had Suning, JDG, so two uh, Chinese teams facing each other in the quarterfinals. And then you had Damwon and DRX, two Korean teams facing each other in the quarterfinals. And it's sort of like, okay, but like, you know, we've we've watched this before, right? Like we've these we watch these matchups in like their uh, respective countries um, playoffs. So like what are you know, it's sort of like, what are we doing? And, And obviously, if you've been watching those regions, like you've watched these matchups throughout like the regular season of these matchups. Uh so it, it kind of it didn't give you a lot of um I, I guess, you know, flavor, something new. Uh what I will say that was really impressive though, is at least for Suning JDG, is that Suning won. And um I'm not surprised based on watching the worlds, how they've been performing at Worlds and um in Chinese solo queue leading up to Worlds. Um Because Suning is uh, almost entirely a rookie team. And so they're very high variance, but they're playing, and and especially a Chinese team at that. Um, In the LPL, uh, the way that they play in the LPL is very high variance because they play to kill and fight all the time. Which is, generally speaking, not the correct way to play League in terms of, like, what's, you know, like, if you're looking at, like, um, you know, metagame, like, that is not... The optimal way to win League of Legends, but you can kind of, basically what it is is you're brute forcing winning by just mechanically outplaying at the right times, you know, with with some semblance of macro enforcing fights like somewhere in the ballpark region of like when you'd want to force a fight um, can kind of and then basically using that to snowball and then bully out of the game. Uh, you know, whatever it—it's high variance and it's worked for the LPL for the past two years. Obviously, FPX won last year and IG the year before that. Um, you know, and I guess to kind of speak to how high variance it is, neither of those teams made it to Worlds this year, <laughs> right? So that goes to show you exactly how much of like a coin flip, um, the LPL plays. Um, and so Suning wins in what was an excellent uh series. I, I don't think that people really kind of saw that coming, and especially after um, JDG takes Game 1, and you're kind of thinking, like, okay, um, you know, this, this looks like chalk, uh, especially because prior to that, you had Damwon just, you know, stomp um, DRX in what was, you know, not surprising. Okay, right, so... um for basically anybody who's been paying attention, and, and I, I know that I've been saying this, um at you know, at every chance I get. I think Damwon is the best team in the world right now. Um, I don't even think it's close. And I had been kind of saying this for a while that I, I, I really think that, especially in the summer split, that Damwon is clearly in the best form out of any team in the world. They're clearly playing a better game, and in part because they're drafting better than other teams. They're drafting better, and then they're executing in the game better. And that's an important combination of things that a lot of uh, regions in general, like not even just teams, but regions are not doing well enough in. Um, It's part of what makes G2 so good is because G2, um, like, and and I know that in some cases... um, you know, sort of the king of of draft theory himself, L.S., um, may dispute whether or not G2's drafts are always good. Um, I think the way that G2 tends to draft with, um, A, a lot of mystery in terms of, like, what's going to get played and, like, how... But, like, also G2 drafts in a way to, like, play a game that, like, you're not expecting to always play. Uh, So G2's another team that kind of almost has... It's like weird because G2 in a lot of ways plays very unconventionally and yet like plays very fundamentally strong at the same time. It's kind of like, and what I mean by that, and it's and it's basically to some degree, right? Why FPX won last year um, is the way that FPX played was, um, it, but it's like in, in this way, it's the same, but different. So the way FPX played was that doing B, their, their mid laner, um, basically played as almost another jungler or a support, right? So Doonby spent very little time in his lane. He was constantly moving across the map. You know, he's playing Predator Rumble. He's playing, um, he's playing Nautilus mid lane. Um, I don't recall. I don't believe last year he was playing much uh, Galio, but this year he's been playing a lot of Predator Galio, which kind of falls in line with exactly how he's playing last year, where he's playing these champions. Uh, where he wants to get around the map and he wants to affect other lanes, um, and so this is where. And I know that LS and Nemesis actually took some heat for this of saying that b is not the best mid laner uh, in the world. And what I think people were missing from that is because they only took like the sticker shock of hearing that statement, especially after Doenb is like basic like basically the you know the mvp i think tian actually got mvp if i recall correctly but anyways right doing b is kind of like the main star of the team and the way that doing b plays was very um flashy it's very uh aesthetically pleasing um for like the the layman to watch like what he's doing it's very active it's very kind of like in your face in a way that is fun um but Within the lane, right, his wave manipulation, his back timers, his roam timers, basically a lot of those fundamentals he kind of doesn't really care about. Um, And so that's where uh LS and Nemesis were saying he's not the best mid laner. Like he might be the best macro player, uh, but he's not the best mid laner because within the lane, he is not as dominant as you would think when you're just watching the game and not really um, analyzing how he's playing, at least within his lane, right? Um, and, and that's because like, he's not manipulating waves in a favorable way. He's making mistakes positioning-wise. Um, he's not taking trades that make sense all the time. Um, and so, in that way, within the lane, he is not the best. But when you factor in his ability macro wise and his understanding of lane states of uh, for his team, and his overall sense of being in the right place at the right time, and play and shot calling, like all of those things, make him potentially one of the best macro players. Um, and so, in in a somewhat similar sense, uh. Although he, I don't think that Caps nearly has the same lane, like inter lane intra lane issues, uh, I think Caps is a better has better uh, laning ability. But Caps is very similar in the way also of where he's constantly moving around the map trying to make plays. He's going up and helping tower dives top lane or bot lane. He's moving around. He's trying to you know find the jungler and and push them away and make them uncomfortable. Uh, within their own jungle Um, all of those kinds of things like he is he is roaming the map in a way that makes it very hard to play because you don't know where he is you don't know what's going on and um, and then on top of it he's he's very you know he's a mechanically skilled player Um, the difference is is that while I said doing plays almost like another jungler or support uh, caps is the carry of the team right Everything that G2 does is to funnel into caps. In um, when in the other way, doing B is kind of there to funnel into everybody else. Um, and so G2 plays this way where they basically funnel into caps and, it, and, and like, they're super consistent on this. And that's why, like, even though the entire surrounding game, the draft is weird and everything is so out of line. And the way that everyone everyone's playing seems super different. And the way that they're kind of approaching the map state seems so weird. Everything is consistent towards like they are um, they are trying to funnel into caps. And I think in part, this is why G2 is especially um, productive at worlds is because because they're consistent on that one thing. And while they can allow chaos to just ensue everywhere and in every aspect of the game, other than that, because they basically have that as their rock of like, it will be caps. We funnel into that, that generally works. Um, And then obviously it helps, right? That they, they just have very good, like wonder is a fantastic top laner who has, just an insane champion pool, um, is really adept at, uh, you know, at adapting to what his team needs. Wonder can be the carry. He can be the, he can be, uh, you know, the sort of support or tank or the, um, you know, the utility. It's like, he can kind of play all these different roles so well that, um, You know, and then Yankos is a very um, selfless jungler. Like, Yankos is playing constantly to um, snowball his lanes, which obviously also helps when you have caps where you're trying to constantly snowball caps. Um, And then Perks is just, like, one of the most intelligent players. Um, And the fact that, you know, he can play ADC at the level that he does while being a mid laner, like, main... Is so impressive, and then Mickey. Um, Mickey is super fearless, and, and I, I think that this is somewhat of like a European support thing because uh Hillisang on Fnatic also has a lot of this. Like, um they are so fearless, like Mickey or Hillasang will literally run it the fuck down. Like, you know, they will get five, six, seven deaths, like, and you're just like, what on earth are they doing? But all they're trying to do is just make plays they're trying to do whatever they can to get something set up to make sure that like you know their team can feast and like it doesn't matter if they've died four times they'll literally just run it right back in um and so that allows for their teams to to work like really well Um, but so that is I, I guess sort of like getting so off track talking about G2 That's just one of those things that makes them very, um, somewhat like an LPL team and yet like their own beast in a, in, in a way like they, they kind of, uh, they kind of play this very like amorphous role where like they don't play like your standard European team. They don't play like your standard LPL or LCA LCK team. They just play their own game in a way that's so different, um, generally from like a regional style. Um but anyways, right. So getting way off track there. Uh Damwon stamps uh stomps DRX in what was not surprising. Um the Damwon's just simply the better team. Uh DRX has a lot of potential. Um and it's really unfortunate and in a part of uh, DRX's problem is the way that they draft and it's the it's a part of the way that they want to play. Um and a part of their problem is that Pioshik, while being a rookie um jungler who has a lot of promise, is so unbelievably inconsistent that like you just he does not he does not make the right plays at all the right times. He is not pathing well for what needs to be accomplished. Um and and so in that way he is just not he's not enough right now for them but that's I mean he's a rookie like he could get better that's fine. Um and then Chovy is obviously one of the best mid laners in the world. Um I think he's perennially on teams that somewhat let him down. Uh the the game that Chovy is playing is so impressive. Um because and this is where in a very much of a difference to join is Chovy is like maximum efficient on his, uh, farming his back timers. Like Chovy is constantly damn near 12 CS per minute, which is like perfection. So in meanwhile, most other, um, mid laners are probably around like nine to 10 CS per minute. So you're looking at it. That's basically by 15 minutes. Chovy is sitting there with, um, in in some cases, you know, a 30 CS lead. Um, and, and so 30, 40 CS lead. Which I, I mean, that that's equivalent to, um, what is it like? A, you know, that can be a like a six to nine hundred gold lead. And in general, even in solo queue, like that's a that that amounts to a huge lead that you can then snowball. Uh, but in pro play, that's a fucking mountain to climb. Uh to try and get claw that back within a pro game is so hard. And so in that way, Chovi constantly makes it really hard because it's just like he almost guarantees through perfectly managing his lane state of being ahead. Um And so and and he's really good at he maintains the tempo of the lane, which again makes it so suffocating to then get back once he has his lead. Um because he basically does not allow you to in any way to dictate the lane state from then on. Um and and so he's such an excellent player. Uh deft is obviously you know, kind of one of the most uh famous and and rightfully so Uh, 80 carries of all time and it's another one where it feels really unfortunate that he just has not been able to get there uh, despite his uh, excellent play for many years but if you look at it um, you know over the course of the past year or so here at least this year uh, Deft's play has been a lot more shaky uh there's been a lot of variants he hasn't been playing as consistently on the champions that you would expect him to be playing consistently on uh and so while deft is a legendary uh ad carry he has largely not um he's not been playing like the deft that you've probably known him to be uh and so in that way that is um, unfortunate, and you know, to a certain degree, I, I I have hopes that he can kind of get past that. And maybe it's just a lull in his game right now. Karia is, I believe, a rookie, um, support who is excellent. I think that Karia is basically right up there, but not. I mean, he's definitely not Barrel, but he is definitely up there with Barrel in terms of uh supports, especially in Korea. I think that they are just tremendous playmaking supports who have a fantastic champion pool and play a very diverse game. Um, And so in that way, again, it's like DRX just feels like they have a really good team and that it's just really unfortunate that they can't quite seem to actually kind of get there. Um, And so so then, right, the next round uh, or uh, the next set of games in the quarterfinals, we get possibly one of the most insane uh, series ever and that's fanatic t top esports tes i mean wow uh, absolutely heartbreaking for somebody who uh really likes fanatic to it really is heartbreaking because they're that close so top esports, and and I have not agreed with this opinion, but top esports has largely been considered the favorite in worlds. They've been considered the best team in worlds. All this stuff. I did not believe that. I think that largely again, it, it relies on the way that the LPL plays is high variance and like it can be. And the other problem is the LPL uh, does not draft very well, and largely the LPL does not itemize super well, and so that. Um. Those are a lot of weaknesses that you can exploit by by sort of if you realize those things and then take advantage of them. Of course, if you don't take advantage of them, you can't exploit them. But but anyways, so Fnatic has had a very up and down year. They're split. I mean, they I mean they make it to Worlds off the skin of their teeth, right? They but that's just the Fnatic way. They they are the uh, cardiac kids they need to be playing in, like, basically desperation mode, backs against the wall, and then that's when you really see what Fnatic can do. Um, And so Fnatic just... I I mean, just pounds top esports in the first game uh, in a way that I think to a lot of people was really surprising. Um, And I I mean... And, and to a certain degree, I mean, me too. I, I obviously, I'm not expecting Fnatic to show up and just pound them this way. Um, and you get a really cool team comp. I, I mean, you have Bwippo playing singed. Like, so you, you have a singed appearance. I, I think there may have been one other singed appearance in all of Worlds, but that is something that hasn't gotten played in quite some time. Blippo shows up, plays singed into Orn, um, does exactly what he needs to do. And then you have, Uh, nemesis playing galio into knights zoe which was a i think a really good matchup because i i think that nemesis um nemesis needs to be playing something like a galio i just don't like nemesis is a mid laner that needs i think to play more in the way that um in the way that Doenby does where he is really trying to promote his teammates Uh, I think Nemesis is a great mid laner, and and it's not to knock on him. It just feels like whenever he's playing carries, that it doesn't go well. Um, And I I just don't know. I I don't understand why. um, Because, again, he's a good player and he has good champion pool, but he just does not work. So, um, so we get... uh, so we get Fnatic up 2-0, right? They're on match point right off the bat. And it's like holy shit, is Fnatic going to sweep them? Like and at that point Fnatic kind of goes off the rails with their draft. Um in a way that I I it's like on paper their draft looks good. It actually looks like they have like a a good team. Um but it just seems it just seemed like why I understand that self-made is good at Kha'Zix and I understand that Kha'Zix is not a bad jungler. Uh, but I just really don't understand the Kha'Zix pick in this situation. Um, And um, Nemesis playing Vel'Koz and, and I know that LS is like, so big on Vel'Koz and 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 understandably so because Vel'Koz is really strong and especially into a champion like Orianna um where Vel'Koz can really bully her it, it feels like a good matchup and if Vel'Koz can manage to um to position himself well he is an absolute monster and it feels like that should be easy to do when you have a Rakan and a uh Orn that you should have a very strong um, disruptive front line that basically can dissuade anybody to getting behind back into you, and and then you have the gin on top of that. Um, and so it feels like you have this nice artillery with this sort of heavier front line, and then Kazakhs is and then Kazakhs at that point does could just kind of feel a little out of place. Um, but they don't execute very well. Um, you have. A team that is somewhat equally difficult to deal with in that the Lee Sin and the Scion can both kind of make their way into, into what they want to do. Uh, and then you have the Ezreal who can play aggressively or safely. And so he's kind of in this case where uh, if they're going to go in, Ezreal has a way of getting to the Vel'Koz and the Jinn. Uh, and in which case they, f- it feels really bad. And then you have the karma to m- basically make sure that the Ezreal doesn't just blow up. And then on top of that, right, you have the Orianna who can use the scion or the Lee Sin as just a, a vessel to get her ball into the middle of everything. Uh, I mean, cause you throw your, you, the Orianna ball on a Lee Sin and he lands his cue. Uh, like you have, you have to completely disengage because like, otherwise like it is, you're so fucked. Um, and so the game goes terribly and then um in game five it or in game four it feels like okay like again it it, it just feels like I don't understand um I, I don't understand why Fnatic goes with the draft that they go with um and because so it feels nice that Nemesis goes back to the Galio, but then he goes into a Jace and Jace feels really good into Galio. Um, you let Karza play Nidalee, uh, Nidalee, who's basically been pick banned like at like a 90% clip or something like that. Like you let Karza play Nidalee. Um, and you have graves, which is, I mean, fine. Like graves can kind of farm at some level with Nidalee. Um, but Nidalee's gonna just continue to feel a lot better. Um, and then you have the Orn, which you feel really good about the Orn, but then, like, basically you're left, and then, but then you have the Ash set, and it just feels really bad because it's sort of like, so you're relying effectively on Ash and, um, Graves to be your carries. And, and like, the AP damage coming from Galio is just simply not really. It's not enough to like warrant any sort of a threat, uh, for the most part, and so it'll it incentivizes right. I mean, so you have you're going to face a Scion who can very easily and efficiently get armor. Uh, you have a Nidalee who's going to get a, a Zonias and could um, get Ninja Tabby. Uh, you have a Jace who's going to get Ninja Tabby. Um, you have a and, and then you have a uh, Senna who is has a way of keeping herself really safe. Uh, she's just going to scale infinitely. And then she has a Tom Kench to protect her. Um, and you're going to bring a set Ash out into it. And it just feels like it just doesn't feel like it's the right play. But they play well, but they just can't get it done. And then game five. Um, yet again, uh, I think that. The draft feels bad. I, I think that they do a better job of sort of creating something, but at the same time, it just it feels very disjointed. It feels panicked um, and it doesn't go well. And so, Top Esports cu- cuts away with it uh, and, and moves on in a way. And it, it felt like it, it basically felt like there was no reason that uh, Fnatic should basically ever have lost that series, especially once they were up 2 0 um so then we get into the gen g g2 series um and this is another one where it just feels like you know it was a, a g2 30 and it almost felt like there's not even that much to talk about because it just felt fairly simply like g2's just the better team um and i know that there's probably some people out there who are out there to like kind of be like Oh, look at that. You know, um, there's your evidence that BDD is not as good of a mid laner as Caps um, because there was a lot of that debate going on prior. And I think that that's fair, relatively unfair um, because I think that it really wasn't on BDD that they lost. Um, I-, I think that there's there's more to it than that so it kind of feels like it, it feels a little unfair to sort of um put that on on bdd as, as to why it is that they weren't good enough um and then it's you know it's another case where it feels like this legendary ad carry and ruler um you know is somewhat let down by his team and and um it, it yeah it it A lot of these picks, it felt really, I mean, it felt like chalk to a certain degree. Like a lot of of these guys, they got their comfort picks. Um, You know, both teams just seceded that they weren't even going to ban the Twisted Fate. They were going to let whoever play the Twisted Fate. Um, And so you gave Twisted Fate to Caps, which is problematic because of the way that Caps wants to play. Uh, and BDD gets his Azir, who's very, very good at. And Ruler gets his Callista, who is also very good at. And you get a Callista Taric against a Jinn Pantheon. Um, and that doesn't feel super good for Callista Taric. But, you know, it's fine. And then you get Lilia on Clid. And Lilia, who actually has a bad win rate at Worlds, which is surprising because she's so strong. Um, or she just feels so strong at the very least. But then you have Rascal on Volibear. Uh, and you give Wonder Camille, which I think is just you can't do that. I think Wonder is an excellent Camille player, specifically. I mean, he has a wide champion pool, but specifically Camille, I don't think you can be letting Wonder play. Um and the Volibear has to get ahead early against the Camille, or it's gonna feel really, really bad, like the rest of the game. Um and so in that way, I, I think that. That was an obvious problem for uh, G. And then in Game 2, um, you know, we juggle the Twisted Fate, so now that BDD gets the Twisted Fate, but Caps takes Silas, and Silas feels pretty good into Twisted Fate because you can steal the Twisted Fate ult, and you can accompany him to wherever it is that he's trying to gank. Um, and you also have... Uh, the capacity to really bully the Twisted Fate in lane. Um, I mean, you you do, but you don't. Like, it, it really depends. At, like, the highest level of play, like, the Twisted Fate should have a lot of control over the lane. Um, but if the Silas gets any sort of advantage, um, Silas is going to be really, really strong snowballing into Twisted Fate. And so if that Silas gets any sort of significant advantage early on in the game, he can really make life feel so bad for TF. Um, but that's kind of how Silas is in general, like whatever the matchup is, is if Silas gets ahead, it's going to feel really bad. Like he is going to feel so oppressive. Um, but anyways, right. And so then you juggle the, the, uh, Lilia over to Yankos, which almost feels like a death sentence for G2 because one, because Yankos seems to have this problem with playing farming junglers. Um, but so you give the Camille over to the Gen G and wonder responds by taking Shen and that's going to feel really nice for Shen, um, fairly quickly on into that lane. Uh, Shen is not going to be particularly concerned with the Camille. It also, uh, sort of soft counters the twisted fate on the other side, because if the twisted fate ults into somewhere, the Shen can, can then ult there as well. Um, and so now you're looking at if the if the Silas steals the, the TF ult and, And you know that Shen's ult is available, then you're you're looking at a situation where you could bait yourself with Twisted Fate and enter into something that very quickly becomes um, a mismatch uh, in favor of the other team. So then we get into game three, um, and you have the uh, Renekton Volibear matchup top lane. Uh, which you know theoretically should inevitably go towards Volibear, but it's kind of like a it's kind of a skill matchup. Um, and then you have Yankos on Graves, and and then you put this time you've got Caps on Silas, and and as we learned, uh, I think in this game, well, actually I should say I was sorry it was the game before, right? That we learned that like. Just don't give Silas to Caps. If I I mean, and so, right, Caps, they they don't ban the Silas, they opt to take the Twisted Fate again, and then Caps gets the Silas, and the same thing happens, and Genji gets rocked 3 0. Okay. Now uh we get into some real fun stuff here with the semifinals. At least in my opinion, anyways. Um, maybe in part, right, because uh, from the beginning I've been calling that I think Damwon's the best team. I said it before Worlds that I think that they are they're my favorite to win it. I really like their chances of winning it. And I know that, you know, that G2 also has like quite a following. Uh and rightfully so, like one they're a good team and one I think they they um advertise themselves really well. Uh, I I guess would be perhaps maybe the best way to put it. Um like, I I think that they do an excellent job uh, on social media and whatnot. I think that their uh, Instagram page, the G2 Esports Instagram page, is hilarious. I think that they do an, an excellent job um, of sort of uh, engaging you, making really funny memes, not taking themselves too seriously. Uh, it's just... It's it's a lot of fun. I I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, so G two is definitely a team that is that's uh very well liked, and um and then and also like con- what was kind of funny right is considered a dark horse even though they've been to the finals the past two years. Uh, so they're they're more than capable of making it. Um, now whether or not they're more than capable of winning it is obviously you know. Uh, we're not we're not certain of that just yet but anyways so we get a really good match uh out of these out of these two teams and and what was to be expected um in and overall i think actually to me i think Damwon did exactly what they i i sort of expected them to do i think that a lot of people would were probably somewhat surprised honestly to uh see the 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 level at which Damwon was just clearly the the better team. Um, I I don't think this was one of those things necessarily where G two uh, threw it in any way. I think that it was just evident that like Damwon is just better. Uh, and and again, this is so this is kind of coming back to where I was talking about with drafting, where you're just clearly seeing uh, when it comes to the draft that. Um, Damwon is adjusting very nicely to, um, they're, they're adjusting very nicely to A, uh, the other team's strengths. Uh, so like in the, in the band's phase and what they want to do with their team, uh, it's very clear. It's evident that they consider what the other team's strengths are, what their own strengths are. Um, and then they react well within, Uh, within the draft, right? So if, if a pick comes up, you know, they react to it. It's not like they just continue on like barreling down a road with whatever their plan was, even if that pick kind of flies in the face of what they want to do. So they do a really good job of being very flexible in the draft. Um, and in a way that's really refreshing and, and I think was maybe in part was really the big difference from their spring split to their summer split is it felt like in their summer split in the LCK that Damwon was doing a much better job of drafting. Um, I think in the spring split, I think there was more cases you could make where they were losing the draft and um, and especially in the LCK losing the draft, winning and losing the draft, um, a- at least based on um. LS's performance uh, in in picking based on drafts, uh, it seems they seem to correlate pretty well. So winning and losing the draft seems to have a pot, you know, a a clear correlation with uh, winning and losing the game. Um, So, again, at least within the LCK region, uh, but I, I I know that other regions that like in the LCS, it's not like that at all. Uh, But I think, largely speaking, when you have two high-quality teams, that that is a good predictor. So anyways, right, so in game one, um, Damwon really just annihilate G2. Or I should say, really, they annihilated G2 in the early game in a way that uh, G2 basically couldn't allow to happen um, based on the team comp. So, right, G2 has uh, Renekton, Silas, and Lucian. Uh, they also have Rakan and Lilia, but—so you have Renekton, Silas, and Lucian, who basically are trying to feast in the mid-game, and that's, like, their win condition, is they basically need to—they need to not have too bad of an early game— and I mean, in the case of Renekton, right, Renekton and, and really, I guess, Lucian, both shouldn't have much trouble having a good early game. Silas um, can certainly have his troubles, but it's Caps' to Silas, right? I mean, we just saw what he did to G another uh, Korean team. And so Silas can be a little bit more tricky, but if you can survive the early game and at least not be like clearly losing – then Silas can come online very quickly once he's at about one items, one and a half items, um, and then not to mention that's where Renekton is starting to um, not necessarily peak, but get pretty close to his peak. And Lucian is also going to be feeling a similar way once he gets um, started on his mana immune, um, and so and and she, he he should theoretically be completing his mana immune somewhere in that. Uh, mid-game time frame so anyways they need early game to go th- in their favor they need to be pushing early game pace uh, especially when you're talking about a Hecarim in the jungle who can struggle early because Hecarim wants to rush Trinity Force instead of jungle items so that can make his clear a little slow you have uh Nuggery on uh, Gangplank who is obviously very notoriously a late game champion who basically is useless up until about three items and at which point gangplank starts to become like the most overpowered thing in the world. We um, have a twisted fate who is another one where he's, he, I mean, twisted fate's kind of an interesting animal because a lot of his uh, usefulness is his utility. Um, and so he's basically largely useful through all phases of the game and which is in part why he's such a power pick is because he, is really really good at pushing uh the the p- the pace of the game. He basically has a really easy time dictating lanes and has a really easy time dictating um any sort of um skirmishes later on. Uh and then you have Jin who is um into this team comp looks pretty good because so Jin is definitely known as not being a tank buster and so basically the only champion on the other team that Jin is even remotely concerned about really is Renekton um as far as Silas and and Lilia and and uh Lucian and and Rakan go he he is going to be able to thrash them under you know normal circumstances and and then you have Leona who is an excellent engage tool along with the Hecarim uh, to basically set things up? Uh, and you have the Hecarim, Leona, Gangplank, Ult combo that is terrifying. Um, and then, not to mention that, basically, under these conditions, and especially with the ranged stun out of the Twisted Fate, there's basically no situation in which Jin should ever get touched. So, Jin feels really good right now into this lineup because they're really short range. Um, they have almost no gap closing other than the Rakan, um, and to a certain degree Silas, but, si- like, Silas is gonna have a really hard time getting to Jin without just getting uh, obliterated on the way in. Um, same goes for Lilia, and Renekton basically can only flash ult, uh, like, flash W ult to, to basically try and get to the Jin. otherwise he is useless, so basically Re- Renekton is only useful every five minutes, Um, and so overall, this is just a draft stomp, and the big thing was the only way that you were going to see this go differently was if this early game went really well for G2. It didn't. Damwon stomped. Now, in the mid-game, G2 actually did a pretty good job of coming back. They created some skirmishes. They made things a little bit interesting, but largely, the game, the, the writing was on the wall and there there really wasn't all that much uh left to it once i, I mean damwon just stomped on the uh neutral objectives and, and basically rolled from there now game 2 um was not quite the same level of draft stompage um out of out of damwon uh in and I mean, so you like Canyon on Graves. You get the farming jungler, especially into the kindred. Although, like, the one thing is that obviously, um, the, you, you don't really have anything other than the set on your team to deal with the kindred ult. Um, and so you don't love that, but you've got Showmaker on Silas, Ghost on, on Ash. And, and then you're facing again, this is an issue where you give Wonder the Camille. I don't – I just don't see why you do that. And then so you have Yankos on Kindred who at that moment you're thinking this is great because we've never seen Yankos on Kindred this year, I don't believe. And um, again, Yankos is not great on farming junglers. Uh, Kindred is extremely path dependent. So like Kindred requires extremely efficient jungle pathing. If you're not efficient um, with your jungle path, Kindred is going to feel really bad really quickly. Um, and even though she's a great scaling champion, uh, when you fall behind on her, it's really hard to get back in the game. Um, because of the fact that her marks are on the map so everyone can see. And so if the other team is ahead, they can just beat you to your mark and bully you away and steal your mark and so on and so forth. And, t- and, and so it becomes this horrible cycle of trying to get back into the game. Um, you give Caps the Twisted Fate, um, this is one of those things where it's like, uh, I mean, based on what Caps likes to do, you don't love giving up the Twisted Fate, but it was pretty evident here all they were gonna all these this this series was gonna flesh out in that they were just gonna juggle the Twisted Fate each game. They weren't, it, they didn't find it worth the ban, um, which is fine. Um, and and I should say really quickly, as far as worth the ban goes, in game one, the big thing though was the fact that. Um, G2 got the, the Lucian and it felt like, I mean, obviously like, so Lucian is banned like every game. I think he's been picked only a, like a couple times. I'd have to pull up the champion stats. I can pull them up in a second here. Um, but his pick ban rate is insane and, and largely his, his ban rate. It's, he's been banned 69 times. He's been played 15. Right. So, um, that in itself is really telling I he's I believe the most banned champion yes he's the most banned champion by a pretty large margin second being Nidalee and third being Orn. um so Lucian is largely getting banned every time pick ban I mean it was like a 90% pick ban right so Lucian is basically the almost the highest priority champion in the game Uh, it was very, it was very interesting to see that they were, that Damwon was just going to let G2 have the Lucian because a part of Lucian's power is the fact that he's flexible. Um, you could play him bot lane, mid lane, and even top lane under the right circumstances. And so that makes it really hard to draft against him on top of the fact that he's actually a very oppressive champion, especially in the early and mid game. Um, and then even in the late game, he has outplay potential, which keeps him relevant, even if he does fall off a little bit. Um, so, the fact that the Lucian gets through was interesting, and so, um, you know, unsurprisingly, the Lucian goes back to being banned in, uh, game two. This time, though, uh, G2 bans him because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, first pick went to, um, well, actually, no, I guess, what, first pick went to, uh, yes, okay, yeah, uh, first pick went to Damwon, they were blue side, so, um they weren't going to allow the Lucian go to go over to Damwon um so you don't want to ban the TF because you're prior prioritizing these other bans uh namely uh Shen, Syndra also is banned a lot um and actually what was interesting is that Damwon banned uh Jin um, and then you also saw the, so you saw the Lucian ban out of G2, the Nidalee and the Lilia, not surprising. Canyon is an amazing jungler and is extremely, extremely good, especially on Nidalee. I think it's part of what makes Canyon the best jungler, uh, in, in the world right now is, is in part because Canyon is so proficient at Nidalee, um, that while she has a lot of priority in the pick ban anyways, um, um, a lot of play, like a lot of players, can't pilot her well, um, and if she's not piloted well, she you're you're really missing a lot of her actual value. And Canyon can play her um, excellently, and so that is a huge uh, part of what makes him so good. So, anyways, right? So you have the Twisted Fate, the Kindred, the Camille, uh, and then you have the Ezreal on caps or on perks, which you don't like to see because perks is gonna play Ezreal well all the time. He's he's excellent at Ezreal. Uh, in part because he is a mid laner by trade, so Ezreal feels really comfortable for somebody who's used to playing uh, in the mid lane and playing a lot of those different mages, where a lot of your, um, you know, a-, a lot of your work is through abilities, not auto attacks. Uh, and then the Leona gets over onto G two side this time, and Leona definitely is feeling uh, a lot like the power pick because uh, she was extremely important in game one. Um, she basically. I mean, she is a really good counter to Rakan, but barrel to a T, um, just, like, completely eliminated any usefulness out of Rakan, so, game two, and then, the big thing that is worth pointing out is, it was clear, so, they gave Nogari Fiora, which was an answer to the Camille, and it was kind of an answer in a vacuum type of situation, it didn't feel like that really needed to be the choice, um... I mean, Orn was actually on the table, and I know Orn doesn't feel, like, super great into Camille, but overall, I think Orn would have provided more value for their team. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of picks that would have provided more value for their team, um, even if you went to perhaps—I I mean, even perhaps if, if he went to his Kennen, which he's very good with. Um, I, I just—I don't totally understand— the Fiora pick here, and it was clear that Nuggery did not feel comfortable playing Fiora. I, I, at the time I was like, wow, Fiora, like, this is awesome. She's not getting picked at all, but she's actually quite strong, and especially in this specific matchup, and with what both, you know, she can side lane just as hard as Camille can. Well, uh, Fiora goes on to be, you know, like, 0 6 like, literally, I mean, I mean, she had whatever, like, an enormous amount of farm and was split-pushing like crazy, but it was, cl- like, just useless. So, um, G2 ends up winning that game, and it was still quite close to some degree. I, I mean, G2 pulled away towards the end, but it was, that game was close for a lot longer than it felt like it needed to be, considering how, um, it, it was almost a 4v5, um, So game three, uh, you go back to, uh, and and this was game three was probably maybe the best game, I would say, overall, in terms of like the competition between both teams. At the very least, this didn't feel quite as much as like an obvious draft diff, I guess you could say. Uh, So game four, it, you know, there's the chance, right, that. Uh, with the the right, you have the caps. Basically, it comes down right. You have the capsicoli, and so you're trying to make something happen where you can get this, you know, capsicoli going, um, and try and make something happen this way. I I think the big thing though was that uh, the fact that you could play. uh you have Nuggery who can play Lulu top, and which she inevitably does go Lulu top. uh it it basically. Completely mitigates the Akali's existence entirely. I mean, the the Lulu makes it it's so hard to play for Akali because of her polymorph and um her wild growth. If it comes down to it, and so I oh, and one thing I I realized to, to interject myself really quick is I said G two made finals the last two years. Uh, two years ago they made it to semifinals. It was Fnatic that made it to finals uh so that was my mistake it was fanatic who lost to ig just to clear that up uh right so you're trying to play through this this capsicoli and make something happen and then Jin is just for some reason been like super op uh this in in this world's climate it's kind of it seems odd but like also when i play solo queue Jin just feels op because for some reason Jin just gets like 20 kills and I don't understand like it's just like all of a sudden you look in your bot lane and somehow died to this gin like four times in the first six minutes and you're just like uh, okay I guess we just lose the game then or so uh, and in anyways as far as the, the draft comps go the one thing that I guess was not as enjoyable right about the whole uh, series was that it was a lot of the same champs it was a lot of TF and Silas it was a lot of Leona set and um, Uh, and, and so you didn't, and so you didn't really see like, uh, I guess what there was one, yeah, two games a set. Yeah. So there was a lot of sort of the same champions kind of making, making their way. Uh, anyways, so Showmaker gets his, uh, Syndra, which is one of his best champions. Um, still waiting for him to bust out that Katarina since he is sort of uh, originally a Katarina one trick. Maybe we'll see it in the finals. I don't, I I understand his reasoning for why he won't play it in professional play, but like, I just really want to see it. And I feel like it would be really badass, especially at this stage of the game where they're just shitting on G2. Like why not bust it out and see if you can't make it happen. But anyway, so the Caps is the key here. Uh, the problem is, is, so Scion is nice in the top lane, except for, uh, going into the Lulu does not feel very good. And then on top of that, uh, the fact that Scion and Akali are gonna be pretty expensive to build, and especially the Akali because of the fact that she wants to go Gunblade first, uh, pretty much always, um, or almost always, but she may, and in fact, you, you know, I think in this game she did go Merc Treads first, which, it, like, there's good value there, it's understandable why you would go Merc Treads early, uh, based on the team that they're facing, but what it does is it just de- further delays the fact that Akali is essentially not a champion until the point in which she, um, in- until the point in which she gets Gunblade, uh, so... That makes it really tricky, and, and especially in comparison to having a team with, like, a Lulu who itemizes very cheaply. Uh Lulu's items are very cost-effective, and so that leads her to be really strong. It leads her to basically get to sort of, like, the early, mid, like, she hits her mid-game power spike almost still in, like, the early game, right? Like, she can basically hit her... Uh, i guess what you maybe you would say like a 15 minute power spike type of thing 15 to 20 minute time frame power spike she can kind of hit like at like 10 minutes and so that makes her really formidable for uh neutral objective control and uh you know river control dragon uh and herald so game basically the game kind of gets away from from g2 uh somewhere around like kind of that early mid game because akali basically doesn't get the chance to snowball the like, way that she wants to even though she actually like caps actually played her really nicely into Syndra, uh, like and in, in part because showmaker actually did not play very cleanly in lane uh but so so showmaker didn't punish the akali in lane as hard as uh Syndra should and so for that reason akali got to stay more in line with cs um, and, you know, that allowed her to kind of try and stay on some sort of pace to become relevant. Uh, the main thing was at, at one point, right, they're fighting for, I think it was what, second or third dragon. Um, and Caps gets a really nice flank. He's over in the bush by, by, uh, the blue buff on Damwon's side. He, you know, Damwon is all grouped up in that, in that area. Don't know he's there. You've got... Uh, ghost on ash who's sitting just right outside this bush and g2 just kind of completely fucks up because it g2's kind of just sitting there kind of, you know, back clicking in river and it's like you know at some point they're going to accidentally walk into this bush like and and akali's going to get spotted out and then they're screwed like it seemed like g2 needed to create the distraction to allow the akali to come out of the bush and cleanly kill the ash uh or or get a good aim on the Syndra before Damwon can really react but what ad- ends up happening is they keep pussyfooting in river eventually they do basically walk walk into the bush and Kali's whole plan for getting her flank is ruined and and inevitably G2 lose that team fight and and it felt really bad from there and then Caps is sort of just trying to force uh, a couple minutes later where he's sitting in the bush over by uh, the Damwon Krugs and he's kind of sitting there forever thinking maybe he can kill, you know, Canyon as Canyon tries to get the Krugs, but Showmaker's also in the area clearing, um, uh, minions. And so, you know, it, it inevitably comes down to the fact that, it, he he never gets the angle that he wants. He never gets the opportunity he wants to actually try and take on uh, Graves one-on-one. And so he ends up getting caught out. Graves and Sindra kill him. And from there on, you know, the game just starts to feel like really, really bad. And, and and they don't really ever get much of an opportunity to come back, even though it kind of stayed tight and, and somewhat competitive. It it felt like game was kind of over at the same time. Um so uh, Game 5 was, there's not much to talk about other than the fact that it's the fastest win in world's history. Uh, Damwon won in, what, like 18 minutes and some change. Uh, I don't think that record will ever be broken. Uh, I. It would astound me if there's ever a game that is won faster than that. And the, the thing, too, was that <laughs> uh, as far as... G2 goes, it may have been their best draft. And, uh, you know, it, it, they had a late game team. They had, uh, they had the scaling that you want. You have the Orn, you have Silas and Senna, uh, and, and then you, you have a Graves along with the Nautilus. Like, it's actually a really nice team. Uh, other than the fact that you, you don't have much to deal with the fact that the other, you know, that Damon's got a kindred, but otherwise, um, Damwon's effectively all AD damage. And so that's going to feel really good into Nautilus and, and Ornn who can itemize against that very well. Um, Silas can, can get Ninja Tabby and, and feel, feel good about getting Ninja Tabby if he wants. And he's obviously also going to get Zonia's Hourglass. Uh, you're going to have, uh, grit stacks on graves. So, uh, The AD, like the all AD profile of Damwon should feel really good for G2 on top of the fact that they're going to scale better. And, uh, basically G2 just kind of runs it down. Caps gets solo killed in lane at like whatever it was, like six some odd minutes into the game something like that. I I don't remember the exact minute time, but, um, you know, Caps gets solo killed by Showmaker in lane and like, and then that's the game. And so, um... I I know I I think I had heard on some other sh- streams and whatnot that Showmaker probably deserved MVP for the series. Uh, in my opinion, I think Ghost deserved uh MVP for the series because I think Ghost I think Ghost played his role better than anybody on Damwon did in terms of not just like um sort of the flashy plays, but it felt like Ghost played. Like sort of like that quote unquote like glue guy kind of role, in, in which he played his lane really well and solid and allowed for the opportunity for his team to flourish in the way that you know they they generally want to. Uh, not to mention that Ghost did have a really really good Jin game in the first game, um, and then both of his Ash games he had some like five head arrows. I, I mean he hit a couple arrows that were like. Really, really impressive and and really game changing. Um, and then on the, I mean, he played Caitlyn in a game that ended in eighteen minutes. So, yeah, I mean, Caitlyn is heart like basically just becoming uh, a champion at, at that point. So there's not a whole ton to be said about that. But I, I think that the way that Ghost played was actually the probably the most impressive, at least to me, in terms of um, who, who kind of stood out for Damwon for the team and who I think. Um, had the biggest impact for the overall team performance. I I mean, there's no world in which I'm saying that Ghost is a better player than Showmaker, and there's no world in which I'm saying Ghost is a better eighty carry than Showmaker is a mid laner. Um, But I do think that for the purposes of that series, the way that Ghost played was more beneficially impactful for Damwon than Showmaker. Um, So... Moving on to the next series, uh, another very exciting series. We did get a really good semifinals. Is as Worlds does tend to give. I mean, I, I feel like in in most years, Worlds does provide like a really like consistently good semifinals matches. So you have Suning versus top esports. This is supposed to be very top esports favored. Um, I actually liked Suning coming into this. I felt like the way that like the form that Suning was in was really impressive coming up to this point and also the thing that Suning was doing is Suning was drafting a little bit differently to some degree from the normal LPL standards and I, I feel like draft is such an, a weak point in the LPL um, and, and as we'll see here right because there was a ton of lease in priority in in this series I think that he was like first or he was either um you know b1 or like he was either b1 picked or he was like r1 or r2 picked like basically every game i every every game except for the last one i think so uh, the the least in priority i mean that's how you know that you're watching Ch- two chinese teams play each other um it, it's they like the LPl loves Lee sin um and they're they're the basically the only reason region that can actually make him work uh like consistently otherwise like he just is a pretty feels bad champion overall like he's just he's so late or he's so early game oriented um because it's basically like he gets jungle item and then like what maybe black cleaver and then and then he's basically done as a champion, like from that point forward, none of his items actually make him stronger or more formidable or, or anything. Um, so his whole thing is he has to snowball, uh, so hard to actually attempt to stay, um, like relevant. And I do think actually, I mean, I do think that there's something to the idea maybe, and and we didn't see this, but I, I do think that there is something to the idea of perhaps, uh, Leeson y- utilizing leandres uh, i mean i know that he's not super super ability heavy in the way that a lot of leandres champions are want to do but he still is fairly leandres heavy and i think that that burn is really nice for him um and i, I think that perhaps it's an item that would help with his Overall profile. I mean, it does give him that extra health. It gives him the damage. He does have a little bit of AP scaling on his shield. Um, but, anyways, right? That's another here. That's more theory crafting ideas on whether or not that's a relevant item for him. Um, but so this, this first couple of games feels very LPL, but, right? Here's the thing is in game one, basically the whole difference maker is that, um, Sooning waits it out and, and grabs the Wukong to, to effectively counter the Jace, along with the fact that the whole, like, that Toppy esports goes full AD other than Oriana, which is generally fine. Um, I, I mean, allowing Oriana to be the only AP is pretty nice. And you have the set and the, uh, Pantheon to some degree kind of be a, a vessel for her ball, but, um, but then you have the Jin, who is not going to feel good at, at trying to f- shoot the Wukong. Uh, and then if the Lee Sin's going to build something sort of tanky, the, then he's not going to feel good into that really either. Um, but the the Wukong is really strong in a Jace, and especially if you can get the, the Wukong ahead of Jace early, which is exactly what Suning does. Suning does that to a T. Wukong becomes too big to... To basically be handled, and uh, from that's force, it's basically Suning's game. Um, game two is uh, again. There's the lease in priority for some reason. Uh, I, I mean, I know that Karza's is a very good lease in player, and so um, they they decide that they really want, you know, to to prioritize the lease in. Um, but it just felt like it's just another one of those things so it just feels like why but anyways um 369 gets gangplank and that's a huge factor knight plays oriana again um and it, it, this was interesting to me that knight was playing oriana so much because it sort of felt like like oriana's great and fine and all and has like a really good win rate and she's especially good in pro play because of the way her ability to mesh into teams um, her late game scaling, her lane dominance, her lane pressure, um, all those things make her very, very strong. She's very, you know, hard to counter largely. But um, it doesn't feel like that's who Knight really plays. Like, it just doesn't feel like, I don't know, the, the way that we've been seeing Knight this year and all of us, you know, a lot of people kind of coming and saying Knight's the best mid laner. I don't think it's generally because of his Oriana games. Um, he he likes to play more of those assassin style champions in mid lane and, and play something that's really pushing the pace, you know. And obviously, I know Lucian's getting banned um, every, basically every game, but, um, you know, the Akali was available, um, the Echo, which he ended up playing in the next game. Um, you know, champions like that, it feels like that's more um what he wants to do right he wants to play more of like the true carry whereas Oriana um has a lot of carry sort of like pseudo carry potential but she's not a carry like she pro- provides a lot of damage and if you can get a like a you know a 3 plus man shockwave like you can completely change games uh no matter what the situation is but it that's that's really um dependent on your team To in order for those things to happen versus like having more of that autonomy. Uh, So anyways, Angel gets Zoe. um, And Angel plays Zoe very well. Um, And in this game, it just felt like um, sort of, I mean, to some degree, perhaps maybe a little bit of a not even really a draft difference. I, I think it just was kind of flatly outplayed. By on, on Top Esports part. So Top Esports tapes Game 2. Um, game 3, right, so as I alluded to a moment ago, Knight gets the, the Echo. So, you kind of see that, and you're like, okay. Um, Jackie Love gets Caitlyn, and this is another thing to point out, is Jackie Love played terrible. Like, Jackie Love was just straight bad, okay? Like, he did not play well in Game 1 or 2, uh, and that carried forward into Game 3. Jackie Love... Um, absolutely. It, it it seems that Jackie Love and Yu Yanja in the bot lane were very much getting outclassed by Wan Fang and Sword Art. Um, it it just seemed like at basically every turn you were looking at bot lane Han Fang and Sword Art getting ahead of Jackie Love and Yu Yanja, um, basically from a minute thirty and on in. So, uh, yet again. And, and we actually get a Renekton, uh, which was amazing that it took three games of an LPL matchup for Renekton to show up. But we get a Renekton. Uh, but again, this is where Suning sets themselves apart, is they make the good decision and they go and get – and they play um, Jax. And then not only do they play Jax, but SOFM, who's been an excellent jungler, this, um, this whole um, – you know this whole worlds tournament it plays river shen which is amazing because river shen is very low key strong um it plays very well into the matchups it it is a it it's really like it's kind of the nuts and in my opinion the fact that you're going to get the jax and the river shen um along with that you have the oriana and um the leona with along with an Ezreal it just feels like huge draft diff even though you gave Jackie Love and Yuanja uh Caitlyn Lux bot lane they still end up losing that bot lane um and all that matters is that they got the Jax ahead early uh, for Bin, who's been playing outstanding you get Jax ahead early on Renekton and Re- Renekton never gets to play the game again which is exactly what happened Ben gets ahead they get they get a kill early he gets the late the weight way- the lane state in a good position. He gets to manage the waves. He gets to set the tempo of the lane. Renekton basically never gets to get back into the game. Jax becomes an unstoppable force and they just ride Jax all the way into the nexus. Um, It was a complete stomp. It was a complete stomp from the draft. In my opinion, I don't think that the game was basically ever close, even though Knight tried his best on, on the echo. And he did have some moments on that echo where you thought he was going to turn the game around because echo does have that capability Um, especially because he can delete Orianna and Ezreal. Um, and from that point forward, you might have a chance because you can get a numbers advantage, but it really didn't matter because Jax was just going to 1v9 the game and Shen is Shen. Uh, I think Shen is a very underrated champion. Um, and I think Jax is just insane. So, um, then what happens? We go into game four, um, Suning now on, on match point. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, this was yet again, um, so 369 gets the Ornn. They have to prioritize to get that Ornn because it didn't, it slips through bands. That's totally fine. Uh, Ornn feels really good. Um, and yet again, Knight plays Oriana. So that's what four straight Ori, or three Oriana games out of three out of four Oriana games out of Knight again does not feel like he plays her well didn't seem like he was comfortable in lane with her did not in any way seem convincing to me that he was like that he felt comfortable playing oriana um he has to go up against um uh, and and sort of i guess maybe perhaps to to style on him or something angel takes a collie um you get uh, SOFM taking Jarvan, which was a really refreshing pick, and is another. It's a very LPL pick again. Uh, it was a, a, quite surprising to see it took so long for Jarvan to show up. Uh, again within a Chinese matchup because they do love themselves some Jarvan. Um, then you have the Ash Tom Kench on, on uh, top esports side, which feels really bad. I don't. I I just don't know why they felt like they needed to have an Ash Tom Kench bot lane. Um, against Ezreal Leona, it just doesn't feel like, like, Ezreal doesn't really want to all-in you. I I mean, Ezreal Leona feels weird, but Leona can just leave the lane and go elsewhere, and Ezreal just wants to sit there and farm and and wait till late game and wait until team fights. So, um, playing, like, the super safe Ash-Tom-Kensh lane doesn't feel like it computes to me. Like, uh, it's, it becomes just a wet noodle fight, but Ezreal... Leona is going to feel a lot better later in the game than Ash Tom Kench is. Um, and so, uh, and then yet again, Bin gets the jacks basically rinse and repeat. They get the jacks ahead. They get the um, SOFM does a really good job of not only getting the jacks ahead and making life terrible for Ornn, but he also does a good job of letting a get started early. Akali starts to roam around the map, becomes an absolute menace. And from then forth again, Sooning really just takes it to top esports. Um, And so it it just felt like a two series of it was not really even close. Um, Really good for Suning, uh, especially the fact that in Spring Split, they were in 11th place in the LPL. They were like they were terrible. Um, And for them to come from that to making it to managing to make it to Worlds period to now making it into the Worlds finals is a really impressive story. And it's actually quite cool. Uh, if you're really into the storyline of things, the fact that you've got uh, Suning, who is uh, very much a rookie team other than Sword Art. Um, basic, basically, I think it's just Sword Art, who is not really a rookie, or at least is Sword Art's the only one who's ever been to Worlds prior to this. So all of them are at least rookies at Worlds other than Sword Art. And then you have Damwan who was the flashy young team last year, um, who made, you know, made a little bit of a, a sparkle in the night sky uh, last year and now have come back stronger than ever. Uh, and now you're going to have these two teams face off. It feels like a really cool story. It feels like it's a little bit of a passing of the torch uh, to some degree, right? It it does feel like, um, it, you know, LS had mentioned this in his um w- Worlds uh, live viewing that, you, you know, it kind of feels like maybe this is the end of an era of a G2 team, and it certainly does seem that way um it, it does seem like perhaps this g2 team is starting to lose its luster um and 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 certainly that it's kind of a somewhat of a familiar uh, feeling that we're kind of feeling i think with fanatic right now uh as much as i i don't want to admit that but both of these teams it just feels like things are kind of getting by them um you know and, and especially with fanatic i think Uh, at some point here, Reckless is going to be coming up soon and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if he wants to keep playing. Um, And, and, you know, similarly for G2, it's going to be interesting to see if Yankos wants to keep playing. It's um, I don't know. It's it, it, it could in fact be the end of an era to uh, to that degree. So, um, I mean, you know, I guess we'll find out, but this is a really, this is a really cool finals. Um, I think it's, I still think it's heavily Damwon favored. Uh, I, I really am pulling for Damwon. I, I've been a Damwon fan. I'm actually trying to get some Damwon merch. Uh, I want to be able to get some Damwon gear, represent my Damwon gaming. Cause I think they're awesome. I really loved them last year. I was a huge fan of them. I was rooting for them heavily last year. Uh, I've rooted for them all, all through the spring and summer splits in the LCK. Uh, and I really want to see them kind of come through on this because I just think they're playing out of their minds and they have absolutely shown that they, in my mind, they're the best team in the world right now. Um, but it, that being said, Suning is excellent and I'm really happy for them to be here. I think it's an excellent uh, Worlds matchup that we're about to see. So, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's, it's going to be really interesting. Um, and, you know, it's... Uh, it, it it's it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really good matchup because I think it's two teams that are really trying to innovate to some degree when it comes to drafting, and I hope that Suning stays with that because I think if I think if Suning goes to more of their LPL roots and prioritizing things like the Lee Sin, um, and potentially putting over priority on Jarvan, uh, especially uh, putting the prioritization on Renekton. Uh, I think it's going to feel really bad because I think that you're just going to see gang and like you know you're just going to see Gangplank being answered into Renekton and even if Gangplank gets gets banned you're going to see um you know potentially a Jace um or you know something of that nature and and I think that uh it's just going to feel really bad if they try to prioritize the Renekton I think if uh the Lee Sin gets picked I think that's going to feel really bad because um you know if you don't ban the Nidalee canyons for a hundred percent going to take the Nidalee. Um, I think that, you know, if the graves is up, graves is going to feel fine into the Nidalee, uh, or into the Lee Sin. Um, I, I just think in general, there's too many, um, I think there's, there's too many picks that, uh, Canyon is happy to play that are good into Lee Sin. um, So I I, I just don't, I, I, they can't prioritize those, those typical champions. We're going to have to see something else. So um, my prediction is uh, I'll probably say Damwon 3-1. I I think Suning can pick up a game on them. Um, I'm not certain that I want to say it's going to go to five games. Uh, I frankly, you know, lean towards a Damwon 3-0, but I I would say Damwon 3-1 just because they might drop a, a random game in there. Um, And so we shall see. Uh, Otherwise, um, you guys should be hearing this uh, episode, I guess, probably, what would it be? Thursday, the 29th. Um, I'm going to be watching The Bachelorette. So I'm going to be taking notes, getting drunk, watching Claire. Maybe we'll see some dicks again. Who knows? Um, And I will be trying... Looking to put out a uh, podcast uh, covering episode three of the Bachelorette soon, and um, maybe if I have some time, I'll, I'll go through some sports betting because my sports betting, uh, at least on the NFL, has actually been really excellent, um, and on college, it has been uh, absolutely dreadful. I literally won one college bet out of seven bets. I went one. I went one in six on college. So not good not good don't listen to any in fact actually you should listen to everything i tell you if i tell you anything on college and just do the opposite and you will make a lot of money but on nfl i have been good so appreciate y'all tuning in uh, i'm actually gonna see if i can't bet on this uh, i know for a little bit you can bet on leave but then it a little bit harder to do so lately um, so um appreciate y'all tuning in peace out